0: Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know we are passionate about some things. Those things include helping create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance technicians by helping the two professions better understand each other with the ultimate goal making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. Product Innovation Eric Kaiser and I had the pleasure of interviewing Nick John Bink. He's a Dutch national who has been working in the HVAC industry for over 20 years. He's the founder of a company called ACIN, A-C-I-N. It's a company that manufactures airflow measuring products, as well as some other things that he talks about in the podcast. Now, important postscript note after recording, Nick John reached out and said, hey, I forgot to mention my personal friendship with Ben Walker and his colleagues at Retrotech, and he really thanks that Sam Myers, for being a great ambassador for ASIN. So I want to get that note in there right at the beginning. Over the years, Nick John has traveled extensively in the U.S. for business and pleasure, and he's attended the HVAC symposium a couple times in Florida. And he's also visited his daughter, who's played field hockey for the champions at the University of Delaware, 2016 NCAA National Championship winners. Nick John shares with us how he's impressed by the open and friendly culture of the HVAC industry in the U.S and he finds that people are more willing to give feedback, both positive and negative, and he's willing to accept both. He's interested in the use of social media in the US, especially in HVAC, and believes platforms like LinkedIn and Facebook can be valuable tools for a company trying to connect with potential customers and colleagues. That's a lot of how he connects with us right now. He's particularly interested in the use of social media to share knowledge and information, and he believes this can help spread the overall quality of the HVAC industry. He's a very positive and enthusiastic fellow and a big advocate for the HVAC industry. He's excited about how the future of the industry, the trends it's taking, the path it's taking, and believes that it has a lot to offer for the world. So let's listen in as Eric and I have a great conversation with Nick John Bink from ASIN in the Netherlands. Good afternoon, Nick John. Good afternoon. And I also have with me my co-host, Eric Kaiser, who is in Indianapolis right now, right? I am. Good afternoon, Bill and Nick. Good to be here. So I met Nick, I think it was around the time that Retrotech introduced the ASIN Flowfinder. And that's your product, right?
1: Yes. The Flowfinder is our product since this Flowfinder since just over 10 years. But the Flowfinder is already there since 1986 as a measuring principle, so to speak.
0: That's a pretty long history for a product. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take a step backwards and let the listeners hear about what you do and your business and how you got into these kind of measurements.
1: I'm now with ASIN since 2001. I started here at 111. And before that time, I was a university teacher in meteorology. So in, let's say, in weather. Our company, ASIN, has two sister companies, and one of them is a a company that sells meteorological equipment measurement instruments, and I was a customer from that company. And I got a bit, let's say, bored at the university because I was teaching mathematics to first-year students. Every year, I got a year older, and the students were always the same age, and they made the same errors, and they didn't know the nominator from the denominator, so I got fed up with that. And I was doing a lot of outside-door experiments, big experiments, meteorological experiments. But times were changing. People went to start much more to modeling. Experiments were too expensive. And I got to speak with my supplier of the meteorological equipment. And they were looking for a technical salesperson, which I became then in 2001. And then I found out that there was another company to it, which was ASIN. And I've never heard. I didn't know what HVAC meant. And I'd never heard of balancing ventilation or doing all that kind of measurements. I knew what a pitot tube was, but I didn't know that it was used in the HVAC. So I got a steep learning curve, started playing with the Flowfinder, which was at that time a mechanical instrument. And we sold like three or four a year. So that's where my career started in the HVAC.
0: Very good. And... Your company, where is it located? What are things like there that are different than the U.S.?
1: <laughs> oh, well,
2: give me a minute. it <laughs> might be a long list. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, it's located in the Netherlands. It's close to the capital, The Hague. And then The Hague is, again, 30 minutes drive from Amsterdam, the one way to the north, and 50 minutes to the south, you are in Rotterdam. And Asin is in a little town next to The Hague, Rijswijk. That's about the location. Yeah, and the difference between Europe and the US, the biggest difference is in fact that the US people always ask me about Europe. That's the first mistake because there is no Europe. Like I think in the HVAC world, there truly is a US, but not a Europe. Europe is divided in many countries and every country has its own systems and standards and whatever. And I'm trying to learn about that. But at the same time, I'm also very happy to be often in the US and to learn to know that market.
0: How would you contrast, so are ASIN, again, for the listeners, mainly or exclusively airflow products, airflow measurement products?
1: Not exclusively airflow measurements. Our motto is that we pretend to know something about the physics of air. We also deal with temperature, humidity, a little bit of CO2, although that has not too much to do with the physics of air. All physical quantities of air are in our
0: uh, portfolio. Describe the current FlowFinder. What's the product, the capabilities, So sort of the the general overview for someone not familiar with it?
1: The name for FlowFinder, it's in the group of balometers. They call it often balometers. And those are used to measure the exhaust and supply flow from registers. And the special thing about the FlowFinder is that it is a powered flow hood. And that means that it can compensate for its own resistance that it is building up at the register. So it measures the volume flow in CFM or in cubic meters per hour or liters per second. And it does that in a very accurate way because it first measures its internal resistance by measuring the pressure difference in the flow hood and outside the flow hood. And then there is a PID control system that controls a motor up to a speed that the zero pressure is in the hood. And at that moment, you calculate from the rotations per minute of the ventilator blade, the vein blade, what the airflow is. And that makes it a very accurate hood in a range of 6 CFM to 500 CFM. And we've recently upgraded the flow finder so that it really does the full pressure compensation up to 500 CFM. And it's better with its battery these days than it used to be.
2: You mentioned a new upgrade there. If I'm correct, that came out recently, right? Very recently. That came out, let's say January. We were forced to come up
1: with a new PCB. As we know in the world there are those problems with the electronic components and things like that. At the same time we had some internal stress because of one of the guys that designed the flow finder left us and we had to come up with a new PCB. And we had actually for a few months we couldn't make flow finders. But we took the opportunity. Yeah, from bad things, also good things are possible. We took the opportunity to make a big upgrade. But the nice thing is that you don't have to buy a new flow finder. You only have to hand in your flow finder to RetroTech in the US, and they have an upgrade kit. They can upgrade it for you and calibrate it for you for a decent price in, instead of having to buy a new one. Now also has Wi-Fi, so it's a Wi-Fi router in a certain sense. So you can connect to the flow finder. And if we have any upgrades of the software, you can upload it to the Flow Finder yourself. And once you've upgraded the Flow Finder, you'll get all the software upgrades for free. Like at this moment, we are close to launching an upgrade where you can store your data on the Flow Finder, your measuring data, and then in the end, send it to your computer. And actually, you can first send from your computer the names of the rooms that you are going to measure. And you can then go through the house in a quick way like you can do with our other new instrument, the FentyFlow.
2: So that means somebody could go through the house and just take a reading at every grill or every register outlet in order. Say they make an order of 1 through 20 or whatever, and they just record each one of those as they're going, and then they can go back and look at it later, and it's all recorded. They can see where they need to make changes or if there's anything that needs to be done. The guys are working on the software. I haven't seen it yet because
1: I'm away from the office quite a bit. I've been traveling like crazy the last year. But it's going to be something like that, yes. And we already have, I already mentioned this FentyFlow. That's also a balometer, but for much smaller volume flows. But that has an app that's a totally new instrument. That has an app that you can do all that on your phone or on a tablet. And we want to do with the finder a similar thing.
2: Nice. You said that the flow finder goes down to 6 CFM. How much lower do you need to go with the venti flow?
1: Well, the venti flow, that's the lowest that the flow finder can go. And that's also the lowest the venti flow can go. But the venti flow is a passive flow hood and it can't get that high because at some point its resistance in the way is making the measurement yeah, not so good. So the FentyFlow is really meant for domestic use and actually maybe also domestic use in the Netherlands or passive houses in the U.S. because it goes up to 60 CFM.
2: Gotcha. But
1: the big advantage, I think, of the FentyFlow is it's uh, about a quarter of the price from the Flowfinder. And if you do residential up to 60 CFM, like the Zander uh, outlets and inlets, and you do
2: uh, balancing in a house like that, then the FentyFlow is ideal uh, solution. Very nice. Is that in the U.S. as well? We have a few
1: of those at RetroTech and of course we hope to see it at some point on the website of a certain company I'm talking to now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping over to your travels. I've seen you several times in the US. So you came to visit a TrueTech I want to say in 2018 or maybe earlier.
1: No, no, it must have been earlier because my daughter was playing a, a game in Ohio. So she was at the university there where she was playing her field hockey. She was at the Delaware University. She studied for four years and she left the US and it was after she became a champion. So it must have been in 2017. Got it. Tell us a little bit about the
0: championship. What sport was that in?
1: She had a scholarship on the University of Delaware and there they play field hockey, which is only played in the colleges by ladies. But it's a big competition in the U.S., and they really, really like to get players from Europe, from Germany, the Netherlands, Ireland, U.K., because here we start playing when we are six years old. I started playing when I was eight, and my daughters, they all started playing when they are five. And in in the U.S., you only start playing when you're in high school, and the competition is here much bigger. So she got a scholarship at that university. I got a big fright when I got the first invoice, but uh, luckily enough, it was saying that it was already paid for. (laughs) She had like a 100% scholarship, so that was fantastic.
0: Pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, and we started visiting her games and family day and all the typical things around sports in the US, which is way more... Yeah, let's say, fanatic and concentrated around the games, like the football games and how you call it. Before the games, you have this... Tailgating. Tailgating. We had extensive tailgating. We had crazy fathers in the team that came up with tomato juice and barbecues, and and they did it in coffee cups so we could take it in the stadium. It was... (laughs) We had great times. But the biggest thing was that in 2016, there were four Dutch girls and one German girl in the team, and they... Delaware is not... They are like on spot 25 and that year they started climbing a few years before that and then in 2016 they managed to become the NCAA champion wow all right and when the final four were there I flew in with a father from one of the other girls we rented the Dutch charger in Washington and drove down to the game with the danger that they could lose the first game and we could go back again but they won the final so that was a very big adventure and fun
0: Absolutely awesome. And I know you've also been to one of our Eric's and my favorite events, the HVAC Symposium. How many times have you been to that event?
1: You mean the one in Florida? Or?
0: Yeah, yeah, Brian Orr's.
1: Yeah, that, only one time, Brian Orr. Yeah, that was also wonderful. Unfortunately, I can't make it this year, but that was a great event. I actually gave a talk on the Flowfinder, and I met quite some interesting customers from the Flowfinder, Jenry Garcia and Dustin Cole and some characters around that. Alex Meany. I already knew, for instance, Stephen Rogers. I knew quite well because we were at the Passive House a few years earlier, Passive House conference in China. Oh, wow. We were sitting next to each other, flying back from Beijing to Amsterdam. And you both know Stephen quite well. And we had some great discussions and talk and I brought him to the hotel when we were in Amsterdam. And all those people that you meet at that HVAC symposium, that is one of the biggest things. Such an event, HVAC school or summer camp or even the bigger shows, they have an enormous different atmosphere from what we are having here in Europe. Here it's business. Here it's hardly Well, summer camp is, of course, the biggest exceptional uh, thing. I've been there now two times. That was also great. The first time I thought, okay, barbecue, summer camp. So there are 20 people and they listen to the talks and I enter the back garden. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The rest is history. (laughs) That was an eye-opener, huh?
1: Yeah, that was an (laughs) eye-opener. But you also learn a lot. The nicest thing is that, let's say, scientists, advisors, and commercial people talk on one level. And if I'm we are partner of Tight Vent in Europe, which is an organization around air tightness from buildings. And in that organization are mainly scientists and the people from company they are like sponsors. And you feel a gap between the commercial people and the scientists. It's very difficult to get to level with them. In the US it's incredible. If you do something nice like People think the flowfinder is nice, they tell you that it's nice. And if it's not nice, they also tell you, but at least <laughs> in Europe they sort of behind your back is maybe too much to say, but it's less friendly in a way.
2: You're telling me the Americans give good feedback on products, is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. And also I like the HVC Grapevine and all those fora where discussions are funny, they are polite, but you learn a lot from it. I like the discussions also in summer camp around the barbecue. If you sit on a table with Alison Bills, man, you learn a lot.
0: Yep. No question there.
1: Yeah, Joe Manners, you can name them. I can't. That's incredible.
0: He sent over some links for us to look at, and I brought one up here for the ASIN.nl. And there's a product here called an ATT. Can you talk about that?
1: Sure. Actually, it was very nice of Ben Walker to talk about it in his podcast with you. So it's the air tightness tester, and it's a product we developed with which was subsidized by the Dutch government. Quite a nice project we did with a institute TNO here in the Netherlands. And a clever mind at TNO came up with an idea to use the ventilation system from the house to pressurize the house. So suppose you would have a house with only mechanical ventilation, so only exhaust. If you prepare the house like you do for a blower door and then you turn on and off the mechanical ventilation system, you will get a pressure signal in the house, which is similar to what you get with the blower door. And the ATT actually measures that pressure signal. It's a little canister, a vessel, which stores the reference pressure. So before you start the measurement, the vessel is open to the air in the house. And once you start the measurement, a little valve closes. The vessel has a pressure difference sensor on it. You start the ventilation system, you get a pressure drop in the house, and the pressure drop is measured. Now, when you also measure the volume flow from that mechanical ventilation system, and you assume a flow exponent for the, let's say, the blower door equation, you can calculate the air tightness. Actually, just the other week, Renson is a big company in Europe for ventilation systems. They have a model house, they have a demo house, and they did wonderful measurements with the ATT. They did a blower door test in 2018, and now they did the ATT test, and it showed that the house was less tight than it was in 2018, but like in 10 minutes' time, they could do those measurements, because you only need a little vessel, and you have a tabloid, an Android tabloid, on which you can do all your work. It's Wi-Fi connected to the ATT, so you can do a very quick check. And the application, why we got subsidized, is that we want to make air tightness testing much more affordable for like an installer. So we don't want to be a competition to the blower door, but we want to do, let's say, a pre-test or a after-test after if you've been there with the blower door. And with the blower door, you can also trace your, where the leakage is. You can do with smoke. With the ATT, you can't do that. But you can do a very quick check of the air tightness. And also, you can combine blower door and ATT to a comp- departamentize your measurements. You can put it in a sleeping room upstairs and you can see whether we actually did that in that model house and we saw some interesting results of that. So I think it's a tool which adds on to the blower door, which will make air tightness measurements much more popular and so will also help to sell blower doors.
0: Is that available here now? Yep.
1: Actually, I just had a WhatsApp conversation with Ben and they have four or five in stock. Okay. And at the moment, the biggest problem I have is, I don't know if that is an English expression, but it's a chicken-egg problem. Who was first? I show people the ATT and they say, oh, wow, wonderful. Is it in the standard? And I ask, well, which standard? Yeah, the ISO something or other, 9972 or whatever. I said, "Now, well, it's very hard to be in the standard because it's a new method. Ah, okay. So it's not in the standard. No, it's not in the standard. And then they reluctantly draw back and they don't buy it or they don't borrow it so i'm spreading the att to people to play with it and to see what it can do and i try to convince them to use it and at the same time i'm working to get it in a standard but to get it in a standard that's probably like five years work to get a standard prepared anyhow is-
0: the fact that isn't in the standard doesn't mean that it doesn't work it can still provide valuable information if you're doing work that is not controlled by standards
1: And actually, that's absolutely true. And standards are also, you're not obliged to follow a standard. You're just advised to follow a standard in order to be sure that you have a good measurement. If we can prove that you have a good measurement with the ATT anyhow, it's certainly a valuable tool.
2: Yeah. And a lot of times standards are minimum. So if we meet a standard, we can also exceed a standard too. And we can go above and beyond that standard. And if necessary, sometimes that needs to be done to find a problem or solve a problem for a customer. Because the ultimate thing we're looking for here is the customer's desire of comfort or health or energy efficiency, whatever they want.
1: Yeah, exactly. We are all there to make a better house and a better ventilation system.
2: We want our customers alive and happy and healthy because dead and or sick doesn't make a very good customer.
0: They stop buying at that point, too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they requesting services, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's in our own interest. Yeah. Some of them have one last service as they're headed out the door,
0: but then it kind of ends. <laughs> it's a service with music. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there was another product that you sent a link for, Ultra Graphics. Yeah. Tell us about that.
1: That's a quite interesting product also, I think. I'm quite proud of that. I showed it at the AIVC conference just in Copenhagen a few, yeah, like two weeks ago, I think. And I did a demonstration of it. And after the demonstration, Stephen Rogers came to my stand. This is the best I've seen in this conference until now. Wow! <laughs> and that's funny because the, the ultra graphics is already there for a few years, but I was allowed to present it in a big hole on a big huge screen. And what it does, it can show you where the cracks are or where the leakages are in your building structure. And to that end, it uses ultrasonic sound. And what you do, you put on one side of the structure, you put a ultrasonic source, sound source, and that is blasting at 50 or 60 dB or decibels or 25. We don't hear it. The dogs might get a bit nervous or cats. And then On the other side, you have a microphone listening to that sound. That is a system that was already on the market for many, many years that you can buy also at a low price. But the interesting thing about UltraGraphics is that it's combined with a camera. So the microphone has a light source on it. And there is a system so that the camera follows the microphone, follows the light while it is measuring. So it sends its sound signal to the computer and at the same time its location. So after that you've done with the measurement you get a photo of where the leakages are and that's a relative measure so if you measure around the door and you have at the door handle a leakage you see a red spot over there and if the rest of the door is airtight you see like yellow and green it's like an infrared picture with infrared temperature but then for sound and the interesting thing about it is that you can use it before the building envelope is airtight you can do it while you are if you've placed the window of course, the glass is also in it, so you have the window ready in the wall. You can test if the window connections are right, if it's properly sealed. So you can check your structure at the very early stage in the building, thus avoiding all sort of problems when you are going to do your blower door test.
2: Is there any way with that to quantify the leak sizes, or is that a little beyond that technology?
1: It's beyond our technology at the moment. Because we are actually only measuring at one frequency, there is a German, more like an institute, university that is working on a multi-frequency system, but that still is a huge system. So at the moment, we can't tell the size, but we are in the process to design, let's say, the successor of this system, but that will take a few years to actually be able to tell the size of the holes.
2: So this tool actually would take the place of like a blower door combined with a whole house smoke test, where, where you're filling the house and visualize those leaks coming out of the house? No, it won't replace it. It's like a screwdriver
1: and a hammer. It will be an extra tool to easier identify some leakages. You might still need a smoke test to do it quicker. But if you, for instance, in clean rooms or things like that, then they're not so happy with a smoke test. So UltraGraphics would do a great job over there. And what has happened in the Netherlands, I sold a few systems in the Netherlands to people doing blower door tests, but they also give the ultra graphics measurement as a service. And they did like 600 student apartments in two weeks' time, delivered a report of all the bed doors and of all the bed windows with the photos. Gave it to the builder and said to the builder, hey, listen, here are the photos. This is the number of the apartments. Uh, tell us when you are done. We do a new measurement and see if you have solved uh, the problems. So for that, it's a great tool. And you can't do uh, 600 smoke tests in apartments. That's not really feasible. That seems like
2: an amazingly good tool for that application.
1: Yeah. And the fun thing at the AIVC conference was that we, like the manufacturers, uh, so the exhibitors, they had 90 seconds to tell something about the company. And I demonstrated the uh, ultra graphics And I was ready with my little Flowfinder suitcase in which I had the source and I had the camera in my hand and I put everything on the podium and Valérie Le Prince was saying, no, no, Nikian, you're never going to do that in 90 seconds. And I did it in 60 seconds and they got a nice picture. So the people were, (laughs) it was quite fun.
2: Wow. So it's very quick then to do that test too. It's not a drawn out process.
1: Well, this was of course very quick because I had everything ready, but you have to set it up on the other side of the door, or you have to have, it's a little bit of work, but it's not too bad.
2: Say in a house where you're talking about setting that up in a house or in a building, does the transmitter have to be in the room on the immediately on the other side of the wall from the center, or could you set it up centrally in a house and then go around the whole outside of the house or something like that? Normally you put the sound source
1: outside and then you put it outside in front of a wall. And if there is in that wall, like two or three windows, you might be able to do them all three. And we actually are thinking of a system that you are mentioning, putting a sound source in the middle of a house and make a lot of sound. And then, because every hole in a house will whistle. If you send sound to holes, they will start whistling. So the ultimate system would be a system where you listen to all the whistles and uh, you know where the holes are, but it's not as sophisticated yet.
2: It's <laughs> a lot of sensors to pick up the, all those whistles.
1: And I picked this up in like 10 years ago from a guy who was on an exhibition and he's now like 83 years old and he's still using the system. He came up with the ideas together with a young guy. The biggest problem to get it market was to get them to stop putting extra features in the software and get it to work.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Feature creep is a big deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My demand was if I could make it work, then it would go on the market. And that's now like three years on the market.
0: So that you could truly whistle while you work at that. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> you won't disturb the measurement whistling yourself. You won't be able to whistle ultrasonic. No.
0: <laughs> Very good. Ultra graphics, is this uh, strictly a product sold in Europe?
1: No, absolutely not. Oh, okay. I'm always trying to convince RetroTech to add it to their assortment of goods. And I can imagine that they, all this stuff that ASIN is thinking of, that they have some trouble to really market it, but I'm quite happy and I'm sure they won't mind if I sell it through other channels, but I had some interest for it already from the US.
0: Interesting. Maybe just like a cultural thing, help me out here and help out our listeners. Dutch, Holland, Netherlands. You've said three different things for the same culture people. Tell me about this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. This is of course a historical thing. Which I don't know in detail, but Holland is in fact wrong because Holland is only a part of the Netherlands, which is the two provinces, North and South Holland. The Netherlands it's like how you say it, a meervoud. I don't know what meervoud. <laughs> it's a plural, like the Nederlanden. That was the all the land that was is now Nederland and Belgium. That were the Netherlands, but now it's only the Netherlands and Belgium got separated from him. I'm not sure where the word Dutch comes from, but it's mainly the language or the people that are. You don't have the Netherlands people, but you have the Dutch people and the Dutch language, which must be related to Dutch. But I'm not sure of how that works.
0: Can you say building HVAC science? I oh, know you can in your native tongue.
1: Ah, gebouwwetenschap, um, <laughs> okay. verwarming. Oh no, nee, yeah, verwarming, ventilatie, and air conditioning. That's in my
0: I understood one word there. (laughs) And maybe a second one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the most difficult one for you would be gebouw. Gebouw. That's building. And that's the typical Dutch. (laughs) Like Scheveningen.
0: Interesting, interesting. Eric, you have any other questions for Nick John here? We're keeping him up late. Not really late, but it's... No,
1: no, no. The only thing is that I can sit easily here and I can wait till the rush hour is over and I can drive home quickly after this.
0: Got it. So how about electrification and heat pumps? We talk about that a lot here. It's a newer concept pervading a lot of conversations. Give me your view.
1: That is also a crazy and very big discussion over here. I'm actually personally involved in it at the moment. It's a big thing. Everybody must have a heat pump and electrification. Everybody is trying to get on every spot where they it can, it's grind to solar p- panels on their roofs. And we are also building quite big solar parks in formerly agricultural land. That's a big discussion in the Netherlands because people think it's ugly. The Netherlands is not that big and the backyards are not that big. But the not-in-my-backyard discussion is a big thing over here. So windmills, we are known for our windmills. I think we have less windmills than most of the countries in the world for electrification because of those big discussions going on. And the other thing is that people still, the the information, the way that people are informed on heat pumps is, in my view, uh, a bit wrong. And I'm now personally involved by that because I have a house which is over 100 years old and it needs some insulation and it needs some work on the windows. And my house is now for sale. And people come in to look at the house and they say, oh, this needs 150,000 euro hole over to make it possible to install a heat pump. That's the biggest thing that they are all calling out that you have to spend such a big investment. Whereas I think if you do some simple things like make your doors a bit tight, do something about your windows, then you can start with a hybrid heat pump quite quick. And that would make things much easier. And at the same time, you also see that we don't have, like your house, Bill, that would be here only possible for a multi-billionaire, I think. In the US, it's possible for somewhat more people. And then all those little houses, they have this huge heat pump standing next of the house, making noise, which is coming the next problem. And they are renovating houses and they have small houses like maybe 75, 80 square meter houses. And they build a big barn in front of the house to install the heat pump, the boiler, uh, everything in one. And then a few solar panels on the roof. And the house is is energy safe, but very ugly.
2: I happen to have a little insight into the Netherlands because my uncle, I'll give you a little backstory. My uncle is Dutch and he has two children over there still.
1: Your last name is German, Marimore.
2: My last name is German, but his last name is Feldhausen.
1: Yeah, that's very Dutch.
2: <laughs> but I got to meet, well, actually not meet them, but see them again last summer after quite a long time of not seeing them. And they were talking about how a lot of the houses over there have not historically been air conditioned. They've not been cooled. And I guess this is a big thing now It's warming quite a bit and... It's taking, they were talking about taking and being on a waiting list for a year to a year and a half to get air conditioning or a heat pump put in their house. Is that pretty normal? Yeah. First of all, it is pretty normal. Although heat pumps is now, the
1: the situation is getting much better at the moment, I think. Many manufacturers have made a step forward in that. And the delivery can, if you choose the right brand, then delivery can be in, let's say, two months' time. And air conditioning is not a real part of the way HVAC works in the Netherlands. I had to learn everything about air conditioning, and I still don't know too much about it because I went so often to the US, and every building is there. House, building, hotel, you'll name it, air conditioners everywhere. And that is just starting in the Netherlands. Is maybe a bit bigger in the southern countries in Europe, but it's certainly not integral part of how they built in the Netherlands
2: they used a lot of, as I recall, a lot of stone and things like that to build the houses there. So I can imagine trying to air condition that and cool that now is a big challenge with regards to managing moisture and condensation and things like that on the inside.
1: Yeah. Although I think the climate in Europe, there are not that many parts where it is extremely humid, like in Florida, for instance, in certain times of the year. If you go to Spain and Italy, the heat is pleasant, so to speak. Well, it's getting so hot, it's not pleasant anymore, but it's not necessarily a humid heat. If you go to the Alpic countries, it's sunny and it's nice, and it's also the humidity is maybe not the biggest problem. I'm not a building expert, I must say. In the Netherlands, moisture certainly is a problem in certain houses, but we are relying much more on heat recovery units and very good insulation, and then do the heating and Control the moisture with that kind of systems.
2: Yeah, it almost seems like the unit that Bill has in his house would be perfect to go in some of the houses over there, the Serve 2 unit.
0: Or the Minotaur.
2: Yeah, or the Minotaur unit, either one. It seems like that, where it sets inside the house and just ducks outside, would be a really good solution. But I suppose there's a lot of solutions for every problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there are a lot of problems to be
1: solved.
0: <laughs> that too. That too. So thank you for coming on this podcast and getting a chance to share your thoughts, your experiences, and what would you like to leave the listeners with? What do you think they should be thinking about? Something they might need to learn, experience, research?
1: What often is a discussion is, and there is a lot of YouTube movies on that, on accuracy of measuring equipment and how accurate is your instrument, that kind of discussions, and and how often do I have to have it uh, calibrated? I think there is still a world to win to inform our customers and probably a lot of your listeners on what that means. What is accuracy? What is calibration? We are, as of the end of November, we will get our ISO 17025 accreditation for the Flowfinder. We never had that, and I'm sure that our calibrations were perfect they were good. And sometimes you have to be careful if you have your instruments calibrated by whatever lab, even with an accreditation like that, because we send our flow finder to such a accredited lab and they turned it the other way around to do the exhaust measurement on their calibration device, which was of course useless. So the message is, if you're into measurements and if you need a measurement, if you need measurement equipment, try to understand and try to listen to the people who know What you are really measuring and how accurate does it have to be? It's a very simple, straightforward, not really
0: philosophical message, but... No, it's practical from a person who spent so much time. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And of course, we need world peace. Yes. Okay. (laughs)
0: On top of all that, thank you. I
1: just saw that movie again.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Nick John, for coming on. I hope to see you at some event here in the next few months, maybe early 2024.
1: I'm planning for sure to go to the summer camp again, but maybe some other event also. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm not sure how many Europeans you have in your show, but it's a big honor to be in it and also big fun.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. We stand on the shoulders of others. We've got a lot of other great influencers and communicators out there in the trade, including Homediagnosis.tv, HVAC Service Tech, Measure Quick, HVA Chicks, The Misfits of HVAC, the HVAC Grapevine, HVAC Our School, HVAC Shop Talk, Steven Reardon, HVAC Reefer Guy, Tool Pros, Service Business Mastery, Quality HVAC, HVAC Overtime, and HVAC videos. I also host the Res Talk Podcast, R-E-S-T-A-L-K. You can learn more about home energy ratings and peripheral topics, which are now including HVAC topics. They've always included building science. If you wanna keep up with things that are going on in the world of true tech and building HVAC science, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Some of the topics we discuss require technical training for proper interpretation or safe execution. So if you're a trained pro, you can go right ahead. If you're not, please consult with a trained pro. If you're a pro and in the market for some of the tools or test instruments we mentioned in our podcast. Take a look at TrueTechTools.com, T-R-U-T-E-C-H-T-O-O-L-S.com. and You can use the offer code HVACBS for a nice discount. The Building HVAC Science Podcast. This podcast you're listening to is a production of True Tech Tools Limited. In full disclosure, I'm a co-owner of True Tech. The opinions voiced are those of my guests or myself, depending on who is speaking want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast, and we hope to continue to bring you more great content, or at least content we think is great, for the coming months and years. Take care, everyone. Until next time.